Let's talk about Shavuot. It's the holiday of the receiving of the Torah. Zman Matan Torah Tenu. And you might wonder, like, what, what is this for me? What is the Matan Torah for me? The Torah was already given. What is what is there to do on Thursday night? What is my what is my role? What can I add to the picture of Matan Torah? What do I have to add to that? Especially if you're not studying Torah day and night, right? Especially if you don't feel connected to that specific thing of, of, of the Torah study um, that, you know, it's not your your daily career. It's not something you're doing all the time. You might feel that your, your part in Shavuot is making a beautiful flower arrangement, baking delicious dairy items, let's say. And that, that is, that's important. It's very important. It's beautiful. And do, do, do that. And don't, don't, don't let me take away from that connection to Shavuot. I wanted to add something. I wanted to add to our connection to this holiday, something a little deeper, something that will engage our minds and our hearts and hopefully give us a Shavuot like we never had before. I would like to say that the way that we can get ready to receive the Torah ourselves is by preparing ourselves in a different way besides the cooking and the baking and the flower arrangements and all those things. And I'll say like this, David HaMelech, in Tehillim, Tehillim, he says, a special parak, Kuf Yotet, you might be familiar with the chapter in Psalms in Tehillim that has all these different things about the Torah itself. It's a special dedicated chapter. He has actually eight verses for each letter of the Aleph Bet. Every letter, Aleph Eipsukim, Bet Eipsukim, Gimel Eipsukim. And all of them, the theme of the whole thing is the praise of the Torah. The, the, the gist of what David HaMelech has to say about the Torah, there are Tsukim, I chose like verse 31. You could you could check it out when you have a minute when when you look in your in your telim, thirty one, thirty two, thirty four, just as an example, and it says things like, "I cling, I stick, I hold tightly to your testimonies, Hashem, don't let me be put to shame." He says, "I will chase, I will run." after your mitzvot, after your, your your commandments, because they broaden, they open up my heart. That's what David HaMelech says about the Torah. He says, grant me understanding so I may cherish your Torah and I will guard it with my whole heart. That's what he says. He says the Torah broadens our heart. It makes us more broad, more open. It's done with desire and enthusiasm. He says it gives life. He says it's to be learned and observed with a lot of love. That's what David HaMelech says. He does not relate to the Torah as an intellectual pursuit that you just learn with your brain to make yourself smarter or more scholarly while it is that as well. He does not relate in this parak to the Torah as something that you just do with your mind. He doesn't le- relate to it as a lineup of 613 restrictions. 
He doesn't relate to it as 613 instructions. Yes, no, yes, no. That is not how he relates to the Torah here. He relates to it as something that opens our heart and opens our life. It opens our life. It makes our life bigger. And we'll talk about what that looks like. He experiences it fully, like head to toe. He experiences the Torah, David HaMelech, and he brings his heart into the picture. Let's look at what it means to be like David HaMelech in our way, in our own way. What does it mean to open ourselves, to open our hearts, to receive the Torah this year personally in the best and deepest form? So I will just say before we begin that in this talk, we're not talking about considering whether or not to keep the Torah, whether or not to accept the Torah. We're coming from a perspective of na'aseh v'nishma. We're going to do it. If we, we need to figure out if we're going to do it, that's a different talk, and it's an important talk, and I'm not negating that, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Let's talk to ourselves as people who already have determined that we're going to learn as much Torah as we can and learn the law and try to keep it as well as we can. Let's put that as an assumption. Okay, so now, it may seem, maybe not to you, but to some people that I speak to, it may seem that the right way to live a Torah life is through a strict, harsh judgmental approach. And some people think that to teach their children to relieve, relieve a, live a religious life, they need to demand Torah study and mitzvah observance. Now, there are loads and loads of quotes that I can bring you that I've decided to put aside and just, you know, just trust me on this if, you, if you're willing to, that that's not, that's not the way. And instead of bringing quotes, I'll just say some one sentence. And the sentence is, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Not in educating our children, it doesn't work. And no, it doesn't work in motivating ourselves. Maybe in the short term it would, but not in the long term. It doesn't work to, to bring ourselves to a, a Torah life. Because just imagine you have a little tree. You planted a young tree and you want it to grow to be a big tree. So you are thinking about this tree and you think someday this tree is going to need to be big and strong to give shade into my to give shade for my yard. And it's going to need to be big and strong and withstand, you know, it gets windy here sometimes and sometimes there's hailstorms. This tree needs to be strong. So imagine how ridiculous it would be if you would go over to that tree and say, well, you need to get strong. So I'm going to give you a kick to toughen you up and to show you how strong you need to be later. You wouldn't do that to a sapling because the sapling is not, is not ready for that. It, it needs supports. It needs to be watered gently. And it needs sometimes like you put some supports in the ground to, to stand it up, some stakes to stand it up. You wouldn't kick it because you think it has to get strong later. So it better get used to this now. It just That's not what you, we would do with a tree, right? We need to be gentle and supportive and wait patiently for the tree to take root and to grow tall and thick. And guess what? I don't know why it is, I can't tell you the reason, but for some reason, maybe it wasn't always this way in history, but now it seems to be true that everyone, whether young or very old, in some way is like that sapling in that we haven't yet had our heart connected. We haven't yet taken root inside. We all have some pieces in our hearts that are like 
scattered. We are not so strongly connected inside. Everyone, I, to some degree, unless they've encountered this and worked on it, has some way in which they need some gentleness, some TLC, tender loving care, to gently, gently firm up their heart inside of themselves and their strength in their avodas, avodat Hashem. If you would call someone mean names and you would, you know, force them, use coercion to make them do what you want, or you would shame them and say and threaten them, you have to do what I say, they would want to distance themselves from you as soon as they are able. They would not want to learn from you. When we do this to ourselves, if we use harshness, shame, coercion, forcing inside of ourselves, and we speak in a way that's harsh and diminishing, saying mean things to ourselves, there's a part of ourselves that's going to want to run away and not listen to the beautiful, important ideas that we're trying to learn and bring into our lives. There's a famous Gemara that tells that Moshe Rabbeinu went up to the heavens to get the Torah. And the angels put up a fight. And they said, what is this? What is this? Hashem, how are you giving away our Torah? It's been treasured for generations. Can't send it down to the world to humans. And they started explaining why humans do not deserve the Torah. And Hashem said, Moshe, you answer them. Hashem wanted Moshe Rabbeinu to stand up for the human race and for the Jewish people and say, no, we do indeed deserve the Torah. And Hashem allowed it. Moshe one, of course, it was never really a fight. Hashem had the intention in advance, but he allowed Moshe to speak up for the people. And he said, no, we are the people indeed. The human race are the people that need a Torah. The malachim, the angels don't need it. It's not for them. And Hashem said, yes, the Torah is not the property of angels. It's the property of humans. Hashem made the Torah. Hashem made us with our shortcomings. He made us not perfect, perfectly imperfect. He made us with our weaknesses and our shortcomings. He gave the Torah to us with our non-angelic, illogical ways of being, human ways, right? It might be hard or annoying sometimes to be nice to ourselves, to be loving to ourselves when we see our own weaknesses, when we see our own shortcomings and our faults. And then what about all our non-angelic, illogical Feelings and emotions, those are so annoying to, to live with, right? Those feelings that come up in life. How should we deal with that part of, of being human? How does that connect with people who receive the Torah? So again, it is no mistake that Hashem put our glowing, beautiful, lofty souls that are a part of Him inside our physical bodies that have sensations, emotions, and all kinds of limitations. And as the Gemara recounts, it's not a mistake that Hashem gave the Torah not to angels, but to us. And not just to our forefathers, but to us today in 2023. So there are different approaches that people take to this strange marriage of body and soul. There are various approaches to what should we do with this weird combination? And I'm going to share the one that I think is the most effective. The one that I think actually works the best. I've tried the others. And I'll say like this, to actually bring us to be wholehearted, real Torah learners and mitzvah observers, we have to first, you might be surprised by what I'm going to say, we have to start by actually inhabiting our bodies 
inhabiting our bodies. What does that mean? It means to be aware of our physical selves. And this might sound counterintuitive, right? We're talking about being soulful and connecting to the Torah and Hashem's law. And now I'm saying, go inside your body and feel yourself. Feel that you have feet. Feel that you're breathing. Feel that you're sitting on a chair. It sounds so surprising, but I've studied this a lot and I've concluded that it's really true that we need to first start off by taking care of our physical selves and take breathe well, breathe well, and not come flying out of ourselves with all of our hard work and our stresses and not notice what's going on for us on a felt level set on a felt sense level to engage with our existence on a physical level. Many of us are so busy and so pressured and we might be so traumatized by life that we operate in panic mode. We disassociate from our life to survive, but we don't want to survive. We want to thrive. We want to live a real life. Let's just take one example of a mitzvah. Prayer. Prayer, our, our sages call it the work of the heart. Prayer is not a job for your lips. Prayer is avodasha balev. It's the work of the heart. How is someone supposed to do the work of the heart when she can't feel herself? When she's just racing through the words because she knows she has to. And it's almost like a compulsion. I've got to say all the words or most of the words or else, or else, or else what? I'm not going to be a good servant of Hashem. Let's bring ourselves down into our bodies and calm down our nervous system as a starting point. That can actually give us the opportunity to say our prayers with a calm presence. I'll give you an example of what this looks like in an, in an, earthly, uh, in an earthly example. I bought my child a present, and he was waiting for it. it was, I went out of town, so when I came back, I had a present with me. And honestly, I didn't have the time to really pick out a good special present. I did buy it in a little of a of a hurry and you know as an afterthought and he, he might have sensed that because I brought it home and I gave it to him and he painted on a smile on his cheeks and he said the nice polite words that he's trained to say thank you but what but his eyes I saw in his eyes how disappointed he was he said this is my present oh, thank you and I felt so sad because he was right. It wasn't such a good present. And the point is that I'm very proud of him that he has his manners and he knows how to be polite. But I felt heart to heart that it wasn't, it wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't anything that gave him nourishment. That wasn't, you know, it didn't mean that much to him. I could see that he was just being polite, but he was really disappointed. Hashem does not want us to be polite to him. He doesn't want us to say thank you with a painted on smile. Or we know, mitzvah, do a mitzvah, besimcha. You have to be a besimcha. You have to be happy. So come on, everybody. Let's be happy. Paint on that smile. We can't fool Hashem. I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice try. And we're not going to not do mitzvot because we don't feel the right emotions around them. But that's not enough. It's not enough for us. It's not what Hashem is looking for when he gives us the Torah. That's not what he's looking for. He's giving us something that's supposed to be life-giving, that should nourish us and make us alive and expanded and, 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 and our best selves. And so 
painting on a smile, it's a, it's a start. And of course, we wouldn't want to not have those good manners, if you want to call it that. But that's not it. That's not it. That's not a mitzvah observance. That's not accepting the Torah for real, because it's 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 not it's not doing what it's meant to do, which is to you know broaden our lives and, and warm up our hearts. Same thing if you have a that if you if you have you know any if you have any feeling that comes up, human feelings. We might be afraid to go there. I am not opening that door. My feelings are too much. Like if I go into my feelings, who knows what rabbit hole I'm going to tumble down, right? It sounds like for some people, it's a very like scary territory to open the door to our actual emotions that we experience throughout life. I want to say when we can learn to notice, notice like a weather observer, notice our feelings as they come up to work with ourselves as we genuinely are to get help if necessary to become acquainted with our whole selves we can actually see real change and actually cope better with life and our mitzvot between us and others our mitzvot between us and Hashem everything can improve if we can actually be ready to work with our true feelings it may seem ironic but when we can start where we authentically are and get to know our fears our anger, our resentments, of course, our dreams, our joys, our love, our happiness, we can actually move forward much better. We can process an emotion without acting on it. Just because you feel an emotion and you meet it doesn't mean you have to act on it. Doesn't mean you're going to stop doing a mitzvah because you don't feel connected to it. But you can notice that you don't feel connected to a mitzvah. That's okay. You can notice that. You can notice that and ask what it's there to teach you, what that noticing is there to teach you. You know, learning to drive a car could bring you into dangerous situations, but most people are going to learn to drive a car because of all the opportunities that it brings. And it's the same with this, learning, opening up, up ourselves up to our feelings. It could be, it could seem dangerous. Oh no, if I open that door, who knows what I'm going to encounter. But there's so much to lose if we don't if we don't learn to be connected to our own feelings. I've shared this recently. I actually launched my podcast a week and a half ago, and you're all welcome. Thank you. You're all welcome to look look it up if you like this kind of content, um, Living Well with Abigail Steinharder. And you can you know look up this content. And, I, and I've shared this on a few other episodes. So you, know, you may hear this because it's something so important. I'm going to share it again. And that is to be connected to Hashem. We need to be connected to ourselves. Some people are very sorry to hear that, and that's okay. Let's start where we are. But the, what's the purpose of Shavuot? What's the purpose of the Torah? What's the purpose of mitzvot? To connect us to Hashem. If we're not at the moment connected to ourselves, connection to Hashem is going to be really hard to get to. David HaMelech says, in Hallel, Ani Avdecha, I am your servant. If we want to be a servant of God, we need to be I. We need to be ourselves. There needs to be an Ani there to serve. If we're run down under the ground, disconnected from ourselves, lost, and our life is just like a race against time and a race of competition and, and self, self, I don't know what, self-shrinking and self-loathing, there's no, there's no Ani, there's no Ani Avdach. We're not going to be able to serve Hashem. We won't be able to do anything. 
So what should we do? What should we do? What if indeed we turn inside and we feel like, uh, hello, anybody home, right? We don't feel this connection to ourselves. What if in place of connection, we feel um, like disconnection. Instead of acceptance, we feel rejection. What if instead of love, we feel hate? Some people do that, do feel that, feel hatred at times. Or what if our heart is just one big rock? Or it's, maybe there's a heart there, but there's like a wall around it. What if all those things are what's, what's turning up when we try to feel inside into ourselves? Rather than shrinking myself, dismissing my reality, uh, negating what I feel. Oh, that's not important. The main thing is to just do the right thing. You know, rather than saying that, let's expand ourselves to be a big, big container for Hashem's Torah. How do we do it? By number one, studying the subject of Hashem's investment in us, his love for us. An effective teacher is not just concerned that the student gets good grades. An effective teacher is interested in the student as a person. How's your life? How are you doing? What's happening? What's hard? What's easy? What do you love? What are you interested in? That's an effective teacher. An effective teacher doesn't just say, I want to see you get good grades and don't talk to me. That's not going to create any sort of motivation. So now I ask you, who wrote the Torah? Who gave the Torah at Har Sinai? The same Hashem who made and makes us every day. It's not so scary to accept our dark side, if you want to call it that, to we can dare to take a look at, at our at our weak points and our and our and our hard parts when we approach from Hashem's viewpoint, which is He never expected us to be perfect. He never expected us not to struggle. He loves us no matter what. So we are invited to love ourselves the same. From this perspective, we can engage in Torah with courage and motivation and an expanded view of life. And the highest accomplishment is to enjoy Hashem's presence. It means anag al Hashem. That is the highest accomplishment that a person can get to, is enjoying Hashem's presence. To like get inside, to live inside ourselves, to inhabit ourselves, to engage in and experience and our life, to enjoy our talents, to uh, enjoy uh, our interests, whatever our interests are our families, all the experiences. This allows a true acceptance of Hashem's Torah. And this way, we can each in our own unique, special fashion, each person on her own can prepare for Shavuot to accept the Torah in a way that adds life, enlivens us, adds expansion, broadens our heart, and also adds life for everyone around us. Thank you so much for listening, and I wish you a beautiful Shabbat. Um, thank you so much again.